The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. This morning I have the privilege of introducing our morning devotion speaker. Uh, the Reverend Chris Sandoval is currently a PCA minister here in San Diego County, uh, where he'll be planting, Lord willing, by the, by the end of this spring, a new church, a church plant of the PCA called the Servant Church of San Diego. If he looks familiar to you, it's because he used to work here at the seminary for the last five, four or five years as our director of alumni relations. And so we're, we're delighted to have him uh, here back with us. Prior to that, he was an OPC, uh, church planter in Chicago for five years. And then prior to that, he was actually one of our graduates, graduating from here with his MDiv in 2005. So it's my pleasure to introduce uh, the Reverend Chris Sandoval. Good morning, good morning. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. The book of Mark, we're reading verses 35 through 45. Mark 10, 35-45. This is the word of God. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism which, with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. And then, or, and when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord this morning for serving us through your word. Father, we ask that you would change our hearts, that your word, your magical transforming word would do an incredible kind of magic in our hearts and change us the way nothing else can. Father, this morning we ask that your spirit would guide us Father, we ask that you would draw our eyes to our Savior, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. 
We live in a world that's constantly telling us that we, we have to be greater uh, than others, that um, it's not good enough to be great. We have to be greater than others. We have to be smarter and stronger. We have to be prettier and smarter and faster and wealthier. And if you're going to get noticed, if you're going to get loved, if you're going to get admired and desired, you have to be greater than everyone else. I think this incessant desire to be greater than others, this obsession to uh, be winning constantly is best expressed in the song The Distance by the band Cake. Anyone? No. Here we go. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line, engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up, churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank, fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup, but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone in her time of need because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course. He's fighting and biting and riding on his horse. He's going the distance. That song describes, which by the way came out when I was in college, that song describes that incessant drive that we all feel inside of us. That if we don't win, we have to win next time. That, that song describes that angst that we feel inside of us. And here in Mark chapter 10, we find that same angst, that desire to be greater than others in the disciples of Jesus. And I think it brings out for us three problems that we have with greatness, three problems that we face with greatness. Problem number one, the problem you and I have is I believe that I deserve to be greater than others. I believe that I deserve to be greater than others. And James and John, we know from scripture, are pretty special guys. James and John, here as we uh, encounter them, uh, we are told earlier in Mark that they have four awesome things going for them. One, they are part of Jesus' family. We're told that their mother, Salome, was Jesus' aunt, which makes them Jesus' cousins. Right? They're in. Right? They have Jesus walking around. He's doing ministry. Who better to be close to Jesus and to aspire to greatness than the cousins of Jesus? The second thing they have going for them is that they are Jesus' disciples. They were two of the first people that Jesus specifically called to be his disciples, to follow him. Awesome thing number three for James and John, they are Jesus' apostles. Along with the other ten uh, disciples, Jesus makes James and John founders and leaders of the church. 
Awesome thing number four for James and John, they are Jesus' best friends, his BFF, right? Along with Peter, James and John are in Jesus' um, inner circle of friends. They get VIP passes to witness some of the most amazing things Jesus did on earth. So they're family, they're disciples, they're apostles, and they are Jesus' best friends. When we find James and John here in Mark chapter 10, they're thinking, it's our turn. We deserve to be at Jesus' right and left hand. We deserve to get personal positions of power and praise. And in their request to Jesus, if you notice in your scripture, there is no question mark. There is no please, would you, could you, there is, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It's a demand. There is no question mark there. We could get all indignant at James and John like the other disciples. We can think that we are better than they are, but the reality is that we're not. What motivates you this morning? What motivates your prayers and desires, even as some of you pursue ministry? What is it that drives you to be great? Has Jesus become something other than a savior to you? Has Jesus become your ticket to personal positions of power and praise? Like James and John, do you think Jesus is indebted to you, that he owes it to you now that you've sacrificed so much to be at seminary, that you sacrifice a career, you sacrifice comfort, you sacrifice convenience. Is Jesus now indebted to you? You've invested a lot to follow Jesus, but are you motivated by an earthly human return on investment? Greatness problem number two. Not only do I believe I deserve to be greater than others, but I believe I must be greater than others. If I'm going to be great in this life, if I'm going to be greater than others, my greatness depends and is based entirely on being better than others. And this is how the world defines it. This is how the world defines greatness. To be great, you have to be first at everything. To be great, you have to be higher than everyone. It's a game of comparison. We are constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Jesus says in verses 42 through 43, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. The problem you and I have is that we need and we, we think we have to be first above others to be the only winner and everyone else a loser, that everyone else has to look forward to us and that we have no one ahead of us. Our problem is that we want to be high above others, to be at the top and everyone else below us, to have everyone else look up to us and to have no one else at the center of attention except us. Sometimes we try to justify ourselves by saying that we're just ambitious or we're competitive. How much of your life are you wasting comparing yourself to others? How much 
of your life is spent trying to put others down just so that you might be lifted up. How much of what you're doing here at seminary is motivated by a desire to be first and high above other people around you. This is not the first time in Mark that this issue has come up among the disciples. I think that one of the reasons why the other 10 disciples were indignant at James and John is because James and John beat them to the punch. If you read the book of Mark and the other Gospels, you find out that they were constantly, it seems, discussing and debating who would be greater. You imagine those arguments? You imagine some of those discussions, even as Jesus was trying to teach them and love them and disciple them? I imagine that some of those discussions, some of those arguments sound a lot like some of the discussions and arguments that happen here at the seminary with the students. I imagine some of those uh, arguments and discussions sound a lot like what sometimes happens in session meetings or in presbytery meetings or in general assemblies. We have to be better than others if we're going to be great. That, that problem that we have with greatness is not something limited to the disciples. It's in us as well. We have to be. We think first and high above others. Greatness problem number three. I can't and I don't want to be great according to Jesus' standard. I can't and I don't want to be great according to Jesus' standard. Our problem is, is not that we want to be great. There's nothing wrong in wanting to be great. We're made in the image of God who is great, and therefore we are by default great among God's creatures. Jesus tells us how to be great. The problem isn't that we want to be great, but the problem is that we don't like Jesus' definition of greatness. Verses 43 through 44 but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Jesus is basically redefining greatness and turning our concept of greatness upside down. He says that if you want to be great, you have to be everyone else's servant and slave. He says that greatness is not being first and high above others. It is about being last and low for the sake of others. In relation to other people, Jesus calls you, he calls me to serve others before serving uh, ourselves, to be more attentive and sensitive to the needs of others than your own, to give yourself to others, to give up your time, your energy, your money, even your success for others. Jesus is calling us to commit ourselves to love others and sometimes do for them what they cannot or will not do for themselves. Jesus is calling us incredibly to willingly and happily make ourselves last and low for the good of others. Jack Miller in his book, The Heart of a Servant Leader, says it like this. 
Jesus is calling us to deny some basic things in our personality, things that need to die. I think that means dying to our fleshly love of impressing people in this way for glory for ourselves. This is a struggle that is intense, like tearing the flesh off your own bones. Here's, here's the truth, brothers and sisters. You and I don't have it in us. It's not in our DNA to willingly and happily become last and low for others. It's not in us. We could say that we don't want to be last and low for others because we want approval without removal. We want to be praised without hazed. We want recognition without rejection. We want power without pain, privilege without poverty, exaltation without humiliation, glory without groaning. We want the crown without the cross. But ultimately, we don't want to be last and low for others because we don't want to be last and low to God. We don't want to be last and low for Jesus. We don't believe Jesus knows what he's talking about. We don't believe his definition of greatness. Like James and John, we don't buy his definition of greatness. This is the third time in Mark that Jesus has had to teach his disciples about a last and low kind of greatness. Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10. And like James and John, we think there is nothing for us at last and at low. There's nothing there for us that we want. But Jesus is telling us that last and low is where we find greatness. Jesus is telling us that last and low is where we find our Savior. It is where we find Jesus in a place that is unexpected, a place that is not desirable by this world. So how do we change? How do we actually become great according to Jesus' standard? How do we live for God and for others before living just for ourselves? What can possibly motivate this kind of last and low kind of greatness in ourselves? What can motivate us to die to ourselves so that others might live? The solution to our greatness problems is Jesus. The solution is the gospel. Every time in the Gospels, Jesus addresses and teaches his disciples about this kind of last and low kind of greatness, it is always in the context of the Gospel. Every time Jesus tells us, if you want to be great, you have to be servants and slaves. You have to be last and low. It's always surrounded and part of the teaching of the Gospel. We find it here, we find it in Luke. We find that every time Jesus gives us this radical definition of greatness, he also tells us who he is and what he's done for us. Solution is not just Jesus' radical redefinition of greatness, 
but the solution to our greatness problems is Jesus' radical embodiment and fulfillment of this last and low kind of greatness. The solution is verse 45. Verse 45 is the gospel in less than 25 words. Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is, in my opinion, perhaps one of the most radical things Jesus ever said. Hands down. Because he is simultaneously claiming to be the Son of Man, the one who actually is and deserves to be first and high above all else. And then he says, I didn't come here for you to serve me. I came here, my mission here, the reason I came was so that I might serve you. That I might serve people who do not and cannot serve me. I came to serve those who would not and could not serve others. Think about that. Think about that. The next time you think you deserve to be first and high, think about the one who alone deserves to be first and high above all else, and then think about what he did for you and who he is claiming to be. The Son of Man came to serve. I dare you this morning to find another Savior like that. I dare you this morning to find another God, another salvation that says this. All other gods of our personal imagination or our own creation say that if you're going to, to, to get something in reward, you have to serve the one who, who, who deserves to be served. You have to worship the one who is going to put you down. The God of Scripture, the Savior that we're presented with, is a God who comes to us and serves us. He says, that's why I came for you. That's why I'm here for you. That's the God of Scripture. That's the Jesus that we are presented with. What motivates this crazy, radical, kind of greatness. What motivates this, this radical kind of death and sacrifice? It's love. It's a love for you. It's a love for me. It's a love that we will not find in any other savior, in any other religion or philosophy. It is a radical kind of love. Tim Keller says it like this. It had to be this way because all life-changing love is substitutionary sacrifice. Think about it. If you ever try to love somebody who has needs, someone who is in trouble or who is persecuted or emotionally wounded, it's going to cost you. You can't love them without taking a hit yourself. A transfer of some kind is required so that somehow their troubles, their problems transfer to you. Some of your fullness is going to have to go out into them and you have to empty out to some degree. We know, 
We know from experience, from the mundane to the, the dramatic, that sacrifice is at the heart of real love. And we know that anybody who has ever done anything that made a difference for us, a parent, a teacher, a mentor, a friend, a spouse, sacrificed in some way, stepped in and accepted some hardship so that we would not get hit with it ourselves. Therefore, says Keller, it makes sense that a God who comes into the world to deal with the ultimate evil, with ultimate sin, would have to make a substitutionary sacrifice. Even we flawed human beings know that you just can't overlook evil. It can't be dealt with, removed, or healed just by saying forget it. Keller says it must be paid for, and dealing with it is costly. The debt had to be paid, but he was so incredibly loving that he was willing to die in order to do it himself. The cross, says Keller, is a self-substitution of God. The cross is a ransom that Jesus paid for you. The cross is where we see the glory of our Savior, the greatness of our Savior. It's the cross and this kind of gospel that was so hard for James and John to believe. But it was the cross, it was the gospel that saved them. Can, can this kind of substitutionary, radical kind of love and last and low kind of greatness really change us? Can it transform us? Can it get us out of that angst to be greater than everyone else? In the life of James and John, we find the answer, and it's yes. Transformed by a savior who selflessly made himself last and low and then rose again from the dead, James and John would willingly and happily make themselves last and low for others. James fearlessly preached the gospel and the greatness of Jesus. And he did become first. He became the first apostle to be martyred. John, his younger brother, wrote several books and letters in the New Testament after the resurrection that testify to the, the greatness of Jesus, the last and low kind of glory. And not once did he mention himself by name. Except in his last book, in the book of Revelation, where John calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ, a brother and a partner of other persecuted Christians. May, may the last and low greatness of Jesus do that magical transformation in us. May the gospel that includes suffering, the gospel that includes giving Jesus' life for the sake of those who cannot and will not serve others, may that gospel transform us that we might be last and we might be low for the sake of others and that we might be last and low like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, um, 
there are many things in scripture that do not make sense to us. And Father, this morning, we have found one of those things in scripture. It does not make sense to us, Father, that the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the ruler of the universe would come down for us and lay down his life. Father, this does not make sense to our sinful, prideful hearts. Father, we believe. Would you help our unbelief? Father, we have trusted in the gospel. Help us to trust in it again today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives in ministry and in faith and in service to you and your church. Father, may our eyes be focused and fixed on him who counted greatness something to follow after even to the point of death even to the point of becoming last and low for us. Father, may our lives reflect this, that others might believe the gospel of Jesus. We pray in his name today. Amen. Copyright 2016, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.